John 14, 26, the Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now I want you to note very carefully the Bible says that the Spirit of God is to be a teacher, but he is to teach you. But this word teach here does not refer to just mainly giving instruction. This word teach from its original language refers to shaping one's will. Shaping one's will to be in harmony with the will and word of God. Now ladies and gentlemen, I know that a lot of people believe today that they can just get impressions. But I'm not here to talk about impressions. I'm here to talk to you about what the word of God says. I'm not here for fanciful interpretations either. I'm here to talk to you on a plane, thus said the Lord. And the Bible says in Isaiah 8:20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is no light in it. And that word light means there's no truth, there's no love, and there's no Holy Ghost inspiration behind it. Now I want to just make it clear, because we're living in some strange times. And the doctrinal teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church that have been given for the first 50 years of this movement have been under attack for the last several years. And most of the strange teachings that are now taking place among us have no origin with the first 50 years of this movement. Now that's to the law and to the testimony. Now, if you don't believe it, go back and study your doctrinal teachings carefully. But my subject for you today is to talk to you about asking you, do you have your armor on? In this hour of decision, when you must choose between life and death, do you have your armor on? Do you know what the armor is? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to thee in prayer at this time because it's not by might, nor is it by human genius or intellect, nor is it by education, but it's by your spirit, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit will be here with us today. We ask that the holy angels that excel in strength will bind the devil and his angels tonight, that we might hear the word of God that we might see our need for an experience in the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. <coughs> Help us, Lord, and give us understanding. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to follow with me in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. I want you to note carefully what the Bible, what Paul is saying. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the what, everybody? Power of his might. And then verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God 
that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, turn with me, look at verse 12 for a moment. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Against what, everybody? The rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. First of all, I want to say to you today that the word of God says that my warfare is not with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. My warfare is not with just the brethren. My warfare is not with human beings. My warfare, my warfare, your warfare is with the devil and his angels. And in any form, he shows himself. Do you understand what I'm telling you? We are so busy today contending, fighting. In some cases, we're beating the air. Because we refuse to go back to the word of God and recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood. Now, what do you mean? Let's take a look at it. The Bible says, put on what everybody? The whole armor of God. Turn with me to Romans 13, 12 for just a moment. Romans 13, 12, the Bible talks about this armor. Let's just take a look at the armor for just a moment. <coughs> what text did I say, everybody? Romans 13, 12, the Bible says here, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of what, everybody? Darkness, and let us put on the armor of what? Now, I want you to note that, first of all, the Bible says this armor is the armor of what? Light. The Bible says God is light, but more than this, the Bible says in Psalms 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and what, everybody? A light unto my path. First of all, this armor is made up of the word of God. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Now, I want you to look at something else with me about this armor. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. I want you to look here with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. Are you there yet? I didn't hear anybody say amen, so I'm not sure. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. The Bible says, notice here now, Paul gives some things here, but he says, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the what, everybody? Armor of what? Righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Let me ask you a question. What is this armor now? The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. First of all, we find the armor of God is light. This armor is built up by the word of God. It, does not, it, is, not a human, it is not of human origin. It is of divine origin. It has divine, it has divine, um, what you want to put it in it? Creation in it or making. It's of a divine hand. And then it says something else. It called it the armor of what, everybody? Righteousness. Now, my question to you is, how do you put the armor on? How would you put on this type of armor? I want you to take a look at something for a moment. Before I just go there, I want to show you, I proved that it's the armor of light. Turn with me in Psalms 119, 130 for a moment. In Psalms 119, verse 130, David said, The entrance of thy words give it what? Light. So this armor of light, is our, is our armor made based on what? God's what? 
The interest of God's word or God's word. Are you with me now? And then on that, but it's called the armor of what? Righteousness. What else? Righteousness, right? Are you with me now? What is the armor of righteousness? Let's find out. How do we put it on, first of all? In Romans 13, 8 and 9, turn with me there. Romans chapter 13, 8 and 9. Are you with me? In Romans chapter 13, 8 and 9. The Bible talks about this, how to put this armor on. Let's see. The Bible says, Oh, no man, any, oh, no man, anything. Everybody there? But love. It says, Oh, no man, anything but love. But it says, But to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled what, everybody? The law. But I want you to follow me down down. For this thou shalt not what? Commit adultery. Thou shalt not what? Kill. Thou shalt not what? Steal. Thou shalt not what? Bear false witness. Thou shalt not what? Covet. And if any be if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended and same, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy love thy what? Self. Verse 10 says, Love worketh no ill towards his to his what? Neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the what? Law. Now, why did we say love is fulfilling of the law? What did we say? What is this word righteousness all about? Huh? Because it says the armor of righteousness. But we have to put this armor of righteousness on by love. But the question is, what is righteousness? Huh? Right doing. Turn to Proverbs 14, 12. For everybody who believes righteousness is right doing, I want you to turn to Proverbs 14, 12. Are you there? All right, in Proverbs 14, 12, I want you to know what the Bible says. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now tell me, is righteousness right doing? Read the text again. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Let me ask you a question. Just because you think something is right, does that make it right all the time? No. So therefore, if right doing is righteousness, then the man on the street can be saved by just the things he believes is right. Huh? But what is righteousness then? Righteousness is not right doing. But, uh, but let me say this. It's not right doing from a carnal-minded standpoint. And if it is right doing, right doing must have a standard. Are you with me now? Turn with me now to Psalms 119, 172. Psalms 119, 172. The Bible says something right quick. Are you there? Oh, you're not there yet. Hurry up. Okay. I'm trying to get you there. You know, time is of the essence right now. The Psalms 119, 172. The Bible says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are, what everybody? Righteousness. Wait a minute. What is righteousness now? My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy what? All thy what over here? All thy commandments are what? Righteousness. So what is righteousness now? Keeping the commandments. But righteousness is far more than that. Because how do we put righteousness on? How do we put on the armor? What did we just read a minute ago? That love is the fulfilling of the what, everybody? The law. And law is also called what? Commandments. And commandments is also called what? Righteousness. So how do I put the armor of righteousness on? By what? Love. Listen now, by what? Love. For thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thy love thyself. 
and love is fulfilling of the law, and the law is called righteousness. Therefore, you cannot put the armor on unless you learn it, unless you're willing to give up yourself and in turn empty yourself of yourself and have self-sacrificing love. Are you with me now? All right now, let's take a look at the armor. Why am I talking about the armor? Because we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. The word principality, look at Ephesians 6.12 for a moment. You see what it says, the word principalities and powers? You see that word there? The word principality is referred to the chief foremost powers of the universe. I want you to know that Ephesians 6.12 is introducing you to Revelation chapter 12, dealing with the war of the great controversy. For the word principalities refer to the chief foremost powers of the universe. There is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and holy angels, and then there's the devil and his angels. These are the principalities. And the devil represents the principalities of darkness, and Jesus and holy angels and the Father and the Holy Ghost represents the principalities of light. And the word power refer is a, does not mean dunamis. In our New Testament, we have two words for the word power. One is dunamis. That means to be of might and ability. But the other one is ecusia. And it refers to might against right. Now, did you understand what I'm talking about now? The Bible says you're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers where you must choose between might versus right. Now, why? Because the devil and his angels play dirty. They believe in might. And that God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, holy angels can only use love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. They cannot break the principle of the code of love for the universe. And you and I must make a decision if we're going to choose might. And you know what might is, don't you? Might is when everything is popular, you know. It's popular to be accepted by the church as long as I'm in good and regular standings and paying my tithe. It's very unpopular to tell the truth nowadays. It's popular to follow fanciful teachings, but it's not popular to tell the people, go back and study. I'm bringing it home. I'm going to just be real with you about it. We live, we live in a very serious time. It's popular today to point out others' sin while not looking at ourselves. It's popular today to say the church is so corrupt, we don't need to be part of it anymore and forget those people. And then we say, forget those in the world too. And we stick to ourselves and go on our little huddles somewhere. Hold the gospel in contempt to a dying world. It's popular today. People today want itchy near sermons and fanciful messages. Nobody wants to go back to the landmarks. Nobody wants to call for the restorers of the past to dwell in. Nobody wants to be repairers of the breach nowadays. Everybody got their own rock somewhere and they're building their own house. Few people today will follow up, thus said the Lord. Few today walk by faith and not by sight. 
Many want to walk with other people, but they're afraid to walk by themselves. They're afraid to study to show themselves approved unto God. And they're afraid to deal with contention when those who oppose them say, we don't agree with you. And you're afraid to stand up and say, well, you may not agree, but as long as I know the word of God, the word of God is true. Amen, Psalms 119, 160 says, thy word is true from the beginning. Few people today want to stand. We live in some serious times. Christianity is not a plaything. When I think about the disciples and how they died, when I think about Luke hung on an olive tree, when I think about Paul having his head chopped off by Nero, when I think about Jesus crucified on Calvary, I believe to say to myself, Lord, what's wrong with me? I have not resisted sin to the shedding of blood. So why am I afraid? We have serious times today, beloved. Devil and his angels are not playing with us. Some of your children should be here and they're not here. Why? Devil's running rough shots over them. Very serious times. But the Bible said that we might stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles refer to the techniques of the devil. What are some of Satan's techniques? Now, for time's sake, I'm just going to give you the text and give you the technique. Wiles. The word wiles is a Greek word. It refers to methodos or methodia, where we get our word method. And it refers to special methods that Satan used. He has combinations, like a thief breaking in a house and knowing how to turn the safe a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. He has special combinations to tempt you with. I want to show you right there, Matthew 4.1, his first combination is called temptation. He came to meet Jesus, that Jesus was talking in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In Matthew 9.32, his next, his next method of temptation is possession. He wants to possess. That's one of his methods. His next method is grievous vex. He likes to vex people, vex them grievously. One of the next methods is the devil believes in blinding people. Another thing is the devil believes in oppression. And he believes in condemnation. In 1 Timothy 4.1, the devil believes in using seducing spirits and doctrines that are unfounded in Holy Scripture that take people away. In 1 John 3.8, the Bible shows that the devil is the author of sin. In Revelation 12.9, he is the author of the war that took place in heaven, and he was cast out, and the Bible shows that he's now our adversary here on earth. The Bible says in Revelation 12.10, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. When someone's constantly accusing, constantly accusing and getting joy out of accusing, you better watch that person because he's an accuser of the brethren. He is of their father, the devil. Oh, brother, you can't say that. I'm just talking about what's not right in the church. Well, brother, what have you doing that is right? Where are you going today? Are you only talking to church members or are you out there knocking on doors? Are you only talking to church members or are you out there trying to reach those who don't know the message for this time? God didn't tell you to put all your time in the church. He told you to go out there. I believe the, I believe the commandment was Matthew 24, 30. Go ye, not Matthew 24, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Didn't say stay ye therefore. It said go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach what? All nations. What are you supposed to be teaching the nations? The rehashing of Adventism? No. The three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14, the everlasting gospel, that's what you are supposed to be teaching. And then we're so messed up. Think about this now. We say the church is so corrupt, we can't go out and work. Jehovah's Witnesses are working all the time. The Pentecostals are working overtime now. 
Latter-day Saints are working. Everybody's working but, I, uh, but us. We're too busy trying to work on each other. Can you imagine that? The devil got our guns turned on each other. And while we got so busy our guns turned on each other, the world is perishing for the want of the everlasting gospel. I'm just, I'm just I'm making it plain. Now, you can sit here and talk about your theology. You can talk about your different doctrines or whatever. I don't have a, you, you, can, you, you can talk to your blunt face. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have time to listen to it. I'm telling you right now. Because the most important thing on my mind is soul winning. Because my Bible says I'm not wrestling with human beings. And if you know this message, if God has given you an understanding of this message and any inkling of it, you don't have no business, we don't have no business trying to contend with each other. Our work for this time is to get this message out there to those people. Amen. That's our work for this time. If we were doing more of that, we wouldn't have so many divisions among us. Amen. If we were doing more of that, we wouldn't have time to deal with the conference's problems all the time. Because there would be so much going on, we wouldn't have time for anything else but to do God's will. And we would find ourselves coming in harmony eventually over doctrines that are sound and unsound doctrines we will get rid of. Do you know that? Because when you put, submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he's the spirit of truth, ladies and gentlemen. And the spirit of God will not lead you astray when you're willing to have a burden for souls and service. When was the last time you've been out? I'm not talking about just pass out a track in the store. When was the last time you've really been out? Working, knocking on doors, visiting the people, defending the faith that is being, that's under attack by the papacy and everything else out there. Huh? Our enemies are gaining ground while we're fighting. But I just want to bring it home. Let me just talk to you now. The devil and his angels are busy. We need our armor on because the devil's going to attack you from various quarters. You need to know how to commune with God. The Bible says right here that we need the whole armor of God on that you might be able to withstand the wiles or the techniques of the devil. The word withstand means to stand against or to oppose. It means to fight or contend vigorously. You notice what it said, vigorously now. It's not, it doesn't mean slowful. It means vigorously. How It means to strive or to fight an, uh, fight an opposite power with force and with activity. If you stand still, you're a dead man. You must fight vigorously with all your might against these principalities of darkness. I want to say why. One day, I was knocking on doors. Knocked on a door. Man stood at the door. He smiled. Come on in. It's important to commune with God because you don't know what you're going to meet when you're out there. And so that morning I read in Desire of Ages where there's power in the name of Jesus. That's the only thing I remember that day. And I stuck with me all that day. As I walked in this man's house, this man had several locks on his door. I'm talking about putting your armor on now. And while we're standing at the door, the man says, come on in. He locks the door. The Spirit of God walks, speaks to me and says, don't sit down. Look behind you. I look behind me. The man is standing there, start naked, and he walks up to me. He locks all five locks on his door, walks up to me and says, now, what do you want? Now, I want you to know there's no time to play now. This is not a regular canvas. He's standing there, 
and I'm looking at the man and he's saying, now, what do you want? I said, sir, I'm here to tell you that God loves you, but he hates your sin and he wants you to repent. And that man said, you dare come in my house and tell me to repent. Who do you think you are? You wait right here. And while, he was, while I was standing there waiting on him, he went in the back room. I thought he was going to get decent and put some clothes on. The man came back out, had his black cape on, had his fingernails painted dripping with red fingernail polish. He said, look me in the eye. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm talking about communion now. I want to know today, do you have your armor on? Did you surrender all to Jesus? Because I want you to know what you're going to meet very soon. And so we're standing there, and the man says to me, he looks at me, I'm looking at him, then he says, He starts calling demonic activity. And why he start calling this demonic activity? The only thing that came to my mind was that power in the name of Jesus. And I begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When I said Jesus third time, the man said, ah! He said, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. He fell to his knees. And I said, sir, let me tell you something. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ that now lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me tell you something. God loves you. He hates your sin. Have a good day. And I walked over to his block door, his door. I left all five of them. Pop, 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 pop. And then I opened the door. I said, your sight will return when I leave. Thank you, Jesus. And I walked out that door. Amen. I'm telling you what the power of God will do. I'm talking about we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. I was in another situation, knocking on doors, had the great controversy in my hand. See, I'm talking about missionary work now. I'm not talking about missionary fighting. I'm talking about missionary work where we fight the devil and his angels. I'm talking about what all of us understand that our swords and shields is not with each other, but with the enemy of all righteousness, the man of sin and his all his cohorts is coming our way very soon. I want you to know they're coming too. I met them in Ghana. I'll tell you about them later. But anyway, we're in the house. I'm knocking. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm here. And I've canvassed this young lady on the great controversy. She said, I want to get that book right away. While she decided to get the book and she gave me the money, I said, let's pray. We got ready to pray. She said, oh, I see him. I see him. I see him. I said, what do you see? I said, Deborah, what do you see? He said, I see them, these big beings, they have big wings, and they're trying to stop you from praying. I said, Deborah, close your eyes right now and let us pray. And I got on, and she said, okay, okay. And I prayed with her. And when I prayed with her, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bind the devil and his angels. And Lord, give this woman back her clarity of mind and sight. And we said that prayer, and we got there. She said, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. First, I thought she just had a mental problem. Went to several pastors in the area. I'm talking about when you're lukewarm. I'm talking about when you're preaching dry messages. I'm talking about when you're itching your brother. I'm talking about when you got false doctrine. Let me tell you two things you, can, you better remember. If you really want to get in the battle, you better make sure your doctrine says the truth and nothing but truth will help you. God! Because the devil is not going to cast out the devil. You got the wrong teaching? You want to know if your teaching right? You test it out there. You don't have to go among your brother and go right out there. And let the Lord lead you step by step. And brother, if you meet the devil head up and you don't and you and he don't go nowhere, I got news for you. You better check yourself. Let me tell you something. I'm in this house. Pastor talking about no every pastor said, man, she just got a mental problem. Leave her alone. One pastor was preaching present truth. He was way out in the boondocks. And I called that pastor on the phone. I said, Pastor, I met a woman. And she got he said, What does she have in her house? I said, she, I don't know yet. He said, go to her house and check and see if she got any astrology books in her house. 
See if she got any books on interpreting dreams in the house. See if she got any skeletons or, 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 or squalling crossbones in the house. See if she got any type of thing that's satanic or anything that's uh, like jewelry that's, that's got witchcraft in it, anything. Went to her house, sure enough, she had those things in it. He said, when you bring it to me, he said, bring it to me. He said, but bring the stuff with you. Because when she's free, we got to destroy that stuff with it. And so then I said, okay. But the young lady decided she didn't want to go. And she decided, I'll go to church with you anyway on Sabbath. We went to church that Sabbath. And we sat there and she was having a wonderful time in church. Near the end of the service, she began to say, my head is hurting. My head is hurting. I said, Deborah, it's all right. Let's pray. So we got to pray. The pastor told me if she thought she saw any peculiar signs, remember that she's under satanic attack. So she said, my head is hurting. My head is hurting. I said, Deborah, it's all right. Let us pray. We had a circle prayer. She said, oh, it's gone now. Oh, she said, but take me home. So we got in the car and was taking her home. But then she got to thinking about everything. And she said, I want to go to that preacher you was telling me about. So I said, okay, I'll take you to the preacher. Now it's only a 30-minute ride from where I was going. It only takes 30 minutes to drive in that car at 55 miles an hour. While I was in the car, and we got in the car and we was driving on, Deborah began to say, my head is hurting again. And I said, Deborah, say, Jesus is Lord. So Deborah began to say, Jesus is Lord. Oh, my head doesn't hurt anymore. And then it hurt again. So she said, Jesus is Lord. So we're driving on. I have two elders in the back seat. While we're driving the car, all of a sudden, Deborah says, Jesus, Lord. Jesus, Lord. They said, Satan is Lord. Satan is Lord. Satan is Lord. I said, Deborah, say, I'm driving the car. Deborah's sitting right there. I'm praying she don't touch my steering wheel on my car. And I said, Lord, don't let it touch the steering wheel. Please don't let it touch my steering wheel. And I said, brothers, pray. By that time, the brothers in the back say, oh, Father in heaven, help us, keep us, keep us, Lord, please. please. And they, they're praying because they're afraid. And I'm sitting there saying, pray, pray, brother, and pray. And he said, I said, Deborah, say, Jesus is Lord. And she said, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord. And they said, Satan is Lord. And they said, Jesus, Lord. And then all of a sudden, she said, Jesus, Lord. And then she, I saw you, it was like a power took her head and was pulling it against the windshield of the car. While I sat there looking at that thing, I began to pray hard and hard. I said, Lord, I looked at my watch. It 30 minutes had passed. We've been on the same road for one solid hour. And we hadn't got to our exit that was only 30 minutes away. We cars were passing us by, but we weren't going anywhere. Now, don't ask me how to explain it. I can't. And I can tell you is that when you're dealing with super principalities and powers, it's a real situation. And I begin to, we begin to pray, and that girl fainted. And when she fainted, the next thing you know, we're sitting right at the exit. We got her to the church. The pastor said, we got her there. I said, Deborah, we're there. We're here now. And she woke up. So take me to the pastor. Quickly, take me to the pastor. And she, we got to the pastor's place. The pastor looked at her and said, Deborah, do you want to be free? It was Seventh-day Adventist pastor, by the way. Present truth preacher. I'm not talking about fluff preacher. And that pastor said, Deborah, if you want to be free today, then you need to surrender, be willing to surrender all your heart to Jesus Christ now. She said, do you want to be free? He said, yes. And that pastor said, told us, said, now, brother, before we pray, may I talk to you for a minute? He just said, yeah. Do any of you have any sins on you? Are any of you practicing some strange teachings? Do any of you, are any of you not right with your family at home? If you are, get out the room. Because whatever in her is going to get in you. If you attempt to join me in this prayer. By the grace of God, none of us had to leave. We prayed. And that pastor prayed. Wasn't long. 
But he prayed a very simple, powerful prayer. He called out that demon in the name of Jesus. And when Deborah, was, when Deborah sat up, Deborah was in her right mind. In tears. And Deborah to this day is a baptized Seventh-day Adventist. Amen. I'm telling you what the power of God is when we have on the armor. I ask you again, is your armor on? The Bible says here also that you're supposed to have on what? Your loins girded about with truth. What are loins, huh? I got to hurry. What is loins? <coughs> the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.13, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that brought, uh, is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that the Bible says, first of all, loins represent your mind. But now I want to say something to you in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul uses the anatomy of a human body to describe the warfare that's going on and where the devil is going to attack Christians. The first place the devil will attack you is, first of all, Paul says, from an anatomy standpoint, the devil's going to hit you in your loins. From a neurological standpoint, the loins is represented by the limbic system. And the limbic system has the seat of pleasure, sex, and aggression. So where is the devil going to hit you first? The devil's going to hit you in your loins. And the Lord loins, from the anatomy standpoint, refers to the procreative area of the body. So the first place the devil's going to hit you with is in your loins where your sexual region is. You want to know why society today is bombarded with sex, sex, sex? Everything is a nudie picture. Everything a woman's half nude. Everything a guy is half dressed. Everything today is bombarded with sex. Tight clothes, tight dresses, lipstick, hairdos, all of it is all about sex. What's going on? Why is the devil fighting so hard? Where is he hit? He knows if he can hit you in your loins, then he will destroy you. Mrs. White wrote in the book, uh, 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 Solemn Appeal. She talked about those young people who had got caught up in this secret vice. The devil is hitting our youth in the loins, in the very sexual regions, where vice, where they become fine pleasure in loving themselves or touching themselves. And the Bible shall, and the spirit of prophecy makes it very clear that when those loins are loosened, then, she says, all type of imaginations and other type of fanciful pleasures come to mind. They go into daydreaming. She said they can't stay on anything solid. They're no longer able to comprehend the things that they used to. They have lost vital forces. The vital forces is zinc, selenium. Another vital force is phosphorus and potassium. And these all, these vital forces affect the brain power. So when the devil hits you and you want to be a fornicator, when the devil hits you and you want to be an adulterer, when the devil hits you and you want to watch X-rated movies, when the devil hits you and you want to play surfing on the internet in forbidden territory, the devil is attacking you in your loins because he knows that your mind will become changed by beholding and what you see that you used to have contempt for, you will soon be changed to love it and you will love those who have pleasure in them and you are worthy of death. This is what the word of God is saying. And so today, across the nation, 
and across the world, the devil's attacking people in the loins. And that's why he got Adventists walking around with satellite and cable TV, especially in America. Late night movies full of all type of promiscuous activity to attack you in the loins. Because the loins is where the mind deals with the mind. If he can get your loins, he'll destroy you. Samson met a woman named Delilah. Remember that? Come on now. You remember the story? He met a woman named Delilah. What happened? Her name meant desire. What is desire? The word desire means consumer. That meant that whoever Delilah dated, whoever Delilah dealt with, she would consume him. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm saying to you, when that woman got finished with a man, he had no vital forces left. To the point that when she got finished with Samson, she said, Samson, tell me the secret of your strength. What did he do? You would think he would have some common sense. He had lost his common sense. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. I'll shake myself as before. He shook, he got out there that third time thinking he's going to shake himself. And they, she had cut his hair off his head, put his eyes out, and he will enter the glory blind. Why? Because the devil hit him in the loins. David standing on a balcony at a pornographic live scene. Who, 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 whose wife is that? Uh, that's uh, Uriah, Uriah the Hittite, your, 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 your faithful servant. Well, tell her. She didn't even have enough sense to tell him, look, I, I'm married. I will not see the king. He can do whatever he wants. I'm married. She didn't even have sense enough to do it, and she yielded. And David fell to the point that when his loins fell, he couldn't think straight anymore. He was cut off. The electrodes in his brains were benumbed. Mrs. White said those who practice vice, she said heaven's only medium of communication is through the brain. And when the brain cells are benumbed, heaven's communication is cut off. My friends, do you have your loins girded about with truth? And the word truth there refers to how God said you are to maintain and ma maintain your body in the procreative area. That your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which you have, and you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Your body is not your own. You are not, a, you are not to give your body to any and everybody. Makes it very clear. But then, what about, what about this other issue about the breastplate of righteousness? What is that? We said the righteousness of what, everybody? We said the commandments, right? So how do you put the commandments on in what? John 14, 15, what did Jesus say? If you what? Love me. Keep my what? Commandments. I want you to know that the breastplate is located in the thoracic cavity. It protects the thoracic, it houses the heart in the thoracic cavity. Therefore, the heart is the seat of the emotions. <coughs> Therefore, the devil, Mr. the devil wants to hit your emotions. For if he can get your emotions out of whack, then he can get you to, he can get you to, because if your feelings are wrong, your thoughts are wrong. And Testimonies, Volume 5, page 310, thoughts and feelings make up what? Moral character. So the devil's next attack, if he can't get you in the loins, then he tries to get you through anger, through being impetuous, through presumption. He wants to attack you in your loins. He wants to get you now in the emotional area. He can't get you in the loins, he'll get you in the emotions. People get hostile. You ever know anybody get hostile real quick? 
You go to some of the doors and the people start talking to you rough. Man told me one day, he said, you know what? I can't stand you. He didn't even know me from nobody else. I said, you know what? I believe you. I looked him straight in the eye and he said, he said, I can't stand you. I said, you know what? I believe you. Like that. He said, what? I said, yeah. And to tell you the truth, I don't blame you. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, you know what? If I wasn't in Jesus, I couldn't stand you either. <laughs> By that time, the man said, he said, what you got? And he began to listen to what I had, and I showed him a great controversy, and he bought it. <laughs> but some people, you just got to be real with. As, as, you, as we've been taking students out this week, I've been trying to train my students that you've got to be for real when you're out in the field. You're going to meet all kinds of people. Some of the girls were a little embarrassed when I started acting look like some of these rough young, young men that be out there in the street. But I just let them know that, that be, that's out there. But anyway, the Bible also tells you to put on something else. We put on the loins. But what else did it say? What else? What else did it say? Your feet what? Sought with the preparation of gospel peace. What is your feet being sought with the preparation of gospel peace, peace about? Huh? Gospel peace. What's that about? Let's take a look at it. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. It is your knowledge of the word of God that gives you the power to stand in a house when you're under opposition. I went to a house. Knocked on the door. Lady said, I'm sorry, I don't want to let anybody in. We had death in our family. I said, ma'am, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you mind if I have a word of prayer? She said, prayer? Well, go ahead and pray. After I prayed, she said, come on in. She said, come on in the house, come on in the house. And she let me in, and I pulled out Desire of Ages, and I was talking to her about the life of Jesus. While I was talking to her about the life of Jesus, her husband came to the door. Big, mean guy came walking in the door. Honey. Standing in the living room. I'm standing right there. He's standing right over me. Didn't I tell you, don't let nobody in this house, especially a preacher? And I looked up at him like this. And he was looking at me dead in the eye. I'm looking him dead in his eye because the Lord said, Be not afraid of their faces nor of their hard speeches, lest I confound you before them. And I looked him dead in the eye. And he looking at me. He just looking at me with that look like he's going to intimidate me. And I thought about Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with thee. And be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And while I was looking at him, all of a sudden he just backed off. And he walked in the back room. And by that time, the wife said, go on and finish telling me. And I got to talking about Calvary and how Jesus had suffered and died, how he was treated as we deserved, that we might have the life that he deserved. He was condemned for our sins, which he had no share, that we might be justified through his righteousness, in which we have no share. When I said that, the man came back out of the room. Honey, didn't I, didn't I? He started trembling in the living room. Let me tell you what the power of God does. He started trembling in the living room. And he was saying, didn't I? And he said, mister, mister. And I said, what? He said, I want to pray. I want to pray. I said, what? He said, yes. He said, I hadn't prayed. He said, I, I, I hadn't prayed in 33 years. He said, but I have never heard the story of Jesus like that before. I didn't know he died on the cross like that for me. I didn't know he suffered to make a way for me. The man was down in tears. He said, my, stop. He said, I blame God for my mother's death. He said, but I'm willing now to give my life over to Jesus. He said, I want to buy all them books you have. 
man turned around and bought all the books. Turned around, we had prayer. The wife jumped up and said, hallelujah. She said, I want to say, praise God. The Lord has visited us this day. She said, because I know that nobody could have ever talked to my husband in such a way that he would break down in tears. He hadn't even cried in 33 years. I'm talking about the power of God. I'm talking about what happens when you got your armor on. Walking down the street. Gang violence now. Yeah, hey, man, what's in that bag? Are you talking to me? Yeah. I'm talking to you, man. You better tell us what's in that bag or me and my boy is going to let you know. We're going we gonna to find out for ourselves. I said, hold. I had another car porter with me. He was standing there. Man, Barry, what we going to do? What we going to do? What we going to do? Man, I, I know how to fight, man. I remember. I said, put your weapon down. I said, forget it. I said, the Bible said the angel of the Lord encamp about them that fear him. And it's near to deliver. See, I used to be a martial art instructor, but I had to put that aside. Because I'm not wrestling flesh and blood. I can't kick, punch, or jump high enough for this, for the followers I deal with nowadays. I got to have the real sword in my hand. Not a samurai sword. I got to have the sword of the word of God in my hand. And so the brother was sitting there nervous. He said, just relax. He said, what are we going to do? It's ten of them and two of us. I said, don't worry about it. It said, greater seed is within you than seed within the world. And then I said, the Bible said, it says that the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of God will hold up a standard. And so I was standing there. I said, Lord, what to do? I was praying, Lord, what to do? Holy Spirit said, preach. I said, what? He said, preach. And I said, so I went in my bag. I said, hold it, man, hold it. I said, what I got in my bag will blow your mind. I said, we'll take you out of here. He said, no, man, come on, hurry up. Quit playing with us. We're going we gonna, to we gonna bop you, man. They're talking about hit me now. I said, no, okay, hold on. I reached in my bag real slow. Then all of a sudden I said, Lord, give it to me. I got to preach. Give it to me. And all of a sudden I popped my case and I said, I said, in my bag, it's a revelation of a living God received by faith. It has power to transform your life. Thank God y'all stopped me today. I want to tell you all about Jesus. And when I said that, he said, oh, whoa, whoa, man. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. Hey, man, look, uh, look, man. Hey, nobody, nobody never did that to us before. He said, uh, man, where you from? So who are you? I said, I'm the Bible man. The Bible man. He said, man, you all right. Then a little girl came down the street and said, leave that man alone. Leave that man alone. He prayed for my mama. He prayed for our mama. And our mama got well. You know, mama been sick for three weeks. He said, but when he left that house and prayed, mama stood up and went in the kitchen and started cooking. And then she started praising God, telling him she felt better. Ah, oh, but that's not the end of it, is it? Knocked on the door again. You have this. You see this I'm talking about? I'm talking about, talking about strength now. I'm talking about the Advent message. I'm carrying the three angels' message to the door. I'm telling the people, fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And I'm working like with all the diligence I have because we're in the hour of his judgment. I'm not carrying no strange mess. I'm talking about the truth. And when you got the truth, you can't keep the truth to yourself. You got to tell somebody. You got to get out with it. You got to go to the doors. You are possessed by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms a life. Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. Love, humility, and peace takes the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness. And the countenance, the facial expressions. And it says here, the countenance reflects the light of heaven. Mrs. White said in Call Porter Ministry, page 110, she said, angels of light and power attend the meek and lowly ones who believe and claim the promises of God. What are you talking about? Knocking on a door. Guy standing there at the door. What you want? I said, sir, I'm here to have a word of prayer with you. Prayer. Prayer. 
man, who you think you are coming to my house talking about prayer? I said, man, I'm going to ask you again. You don't get intimidated. I got angels with me. Y'all don't see them. They're in this pulpit with me right now. You don't believe me, do you? I wish I could pray like Elijah right now and say, Lord, open their eyes. And y'all will see the angels standing all around the tent, belting back the principalities and powers. Angels of God that excel in strength, standing at my right hand and in my left hand. My guardian angel with me everywhere I go. Angels recording the conversations. Angels standing in the campground, walking up and down and standing here, weighing the hearts of every one of us in here. If you could only see when I'm out there in the field working, you know what you've, you know what you're doing. You're tasting of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. I'm standing out there. Man said, "What you want to do? Pray?" I said, "Yes, I want to pray." Go on and pray, man. Got on my knees. Guy was all bold and stuff. I said, "Sir," I said, "Lord, have mercy on this gigantic soul. Help him." To come to a knowledge of Jesus before it's too late. You know, you don't say those prayers like, Lord, help him come to a knowledge of Jesus. No, you don't get into that. You get real. Lord, his soul is on the line. Help him see that this is not just another visitation. This is a divine appointment in Jesus' name. Amen. When I get up, the man said, come on in my house, man. Ain't nobody never prayed me, pray for me like that. No, come on in the house. What you got? You must got something for real. Your first preacher I've ever met is real. Here, have a seat. Dad, give me a seat. What you got? Okay, I want that. I want that. You don't have to show it to me, man. I know God sent you, man. Look, I want to get that right off. Amen. Just went and bought it right off the bat. Why? Because we get real. Got in the house. Got in the church. See, when you're working in the field, you got to go to the lost cities of Babylon. You know that, don't you? Adventist church is not the lost city of Babylon. We just got a couple of Babylonians in there. Y'all know that, don't you? Let's come on. Let's get realistic now. Come on. As long as we, our, our, our truth and our foundation is still there. Our truth is still there. This church was not built on false doctrine. This church was built on the truth. Amen. We just got crept up unconverted folk in here. We got some tares among the wheat. God's going to deal with them. Don't you worry. Time coming. But while I'm there, going into that lost city of Babylon, preacher looks at me. What are you, seven-day adventure? I said, a what? Now, I'm telling you, I didn't just sit there and smile. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I said, what? Now, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. You know why I said it like that? Because testimony to the church says, when I say, take my arrow out my quiver. See, I'm in war. I don't know about y'all. I'm in war. And I take my arrow out my quiver, and I begin to hoist it in my bowl. And that man said, what are you? And I begin to pull back, and I say, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Mrs. White said, when I let that bow go, it's like shooting, a, it's like an arrow that goes right through their heart. It's an arrow from the Lord's quiver. So he says, oh, I tell you what, if you can speak in tongue, then I'll buy your books from you. I said, oh, really? He said, so that way I know you got the Holy Ghost. I knew I had the Holy Ghost before I walked in there. You know what I mean? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit that acts? Huh? Come on now. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. John 16, 13, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you to all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and show you things to come. 
The spirit and the bride say what? Come. And the Bible says, the Bible let me know that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Romans 5, 5. Come on now, we can just go on down. I can just go on down and talk about how the Holy Ghost make intercession for us in Romans 8, 26. Holy Ghost speaks in 1 Timothy 4, 1. I knew I had the Holy Ghost. I didn't have to worry about it. So I said, Lord, speaking in tongues is a language, right? So I went in the Hebrew concordance. I got me a Hebrew prayer out. And I just, took, I just made it up like this. I said, Lord, I'm going to use Genesis 1, 1. He's not going to know what I'm talking about. And I watched him. They said, come on down front and tarry with us, pastor. Come on down front. We want, us, we want you to make sure that you feel with the Holy Ghost. I said, okay. Walked down front. And they started going down front. And he said, ah, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they started speaking. All that stuff. I started seeing them breaking out. I said, okay. I said, Rashid, Elohim, Shamera, Efrete. Rashid. Elohim, Shamiya, Afrete, Ashif, Elohim, Ara, Samira, Afrete. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like that. He said, Ho! Oh. He looked up, he said, That pastor speaking in tongue. When I got finished, he said, uh, I didn't know seven day Adventists speak in tongue. I said, There's a lot of things you don't know about us. He said, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, The Holy Ghost is a gift. That's one of the gifts. Tongues is a gift, I'm sorry. And that's just one of the gifts we have. And I said, I'm also a preacher and a teacher, too. I got several gifts. And when he got finished, he said, oh, well, why did you? And I said, sir, I said, you're supposed to buy these books. I said, if you get the book Acts of the Apostles, you can read all about it. And he, he turned around and he bought all the books I had. I walked out of the house. My buddy looked at me and said, Barry, how did you do it? I said, Paul said, you become all things as all men, that you might gain some. But you don't break principle. That's right. I know some of you looking at me strange. I would have never done that. Ah, oh, you just don't know. You haven't been out there yet. But now, we're dealing with secret things. What about this one? Have you been to hospitals lately? When the last time you prayed, God will send you to a hospital to see somebody that you didn't know. I'm talking about, I'm talking about service. I can sit here and preach you a sermon on theology, but I'm talking about practical service and labor right now. When was the last time you prayed, you prayed, and asked God to lead you to a soul, to bring them to a knowledge of this message, to pray that they, their sickness they may recover? I, went to a, I was working in the field one day, and the Lord told me, he said, go to the hospital. I told my partner, I said, I got to go to the hospital. He looked at me, he said, no, nah, Barry, you, man, come on, we just got here. You, you, you got to be kidding. I said, no, the Lord's telling me to go to the hospital. He said, okay, what hospital are we going to? What hospital? I said, hold on. I said, Lord, what hospital are we going to? Lord said, go to Harper Hospital. I said, we're going to Harper Hospital. He said, okay. Driving in the car. He said, uh, who are we going to see? I said, hold on. Lord, who are we going to see? Lord said, go to room 303. I said, okay. We're going to Harper Hospital on the third floor. So we're driving in the car. He looks at me. Harper Hospital, third floor. I said, okay. So I walked into the desk. And the lady said, I said, how you doing, ma'am? I'm here to see. I said, hold on a minute. I walked in the corner. I said, Lord, who am I here to see on the third floor? Name came to me. Name came to me, Johnson. I said, I'm here to see a young lady named Johnson. I said, Mr. Uh, whatever your name is, we have a lot of Johnsons on this list. <laughs> who is it you need to see? I said, hold on a minute. I went back in the corner. I said, Lord, who am I supposed to see? By this time, a lady comes running through the corridor of the hospital comes to the elevator, stops, goes up on the second, goes up, on, goes up the elevator, and we don't see her no more. But everybody knows she's in a hurry. So 
I still can't think of the name because I, 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 I wasn't sure anymore. I started doubting God a little bit. And the lady came to me and said, go to the back service elevators. And they'll let you up there. So we went on the back service elevator. I got my partner. We went up on the third floor. We got at the elevator. The Lord said, don't go nowhere. Stay right here. I said, okay, we're going to stay right here. He said, well, what are we waiting on? People come walking by. Is that her? No. Is that him? No. And I kept praying. I said, wait a minute. Lord, which one? And the Holy Spirit said, she's coming. Just be still. I'm walking around. Next to a lady comes from around the corner. And she's crying. And while she's crying, I said, pardon me, ma'am. I said, who are you here to see? She said, I'm here to see my daughter, my grand, my niece. She's in this room on the same floor. So she took me to the room. I walked in. There was a little girl there. She was dying of sickle cell anemia. And I, gave, I read to her the Children's Bible Story, Volume 9. And then I told her, I left the book in her hand. I said, remember that Jesus is coming very soon. By this time, the, 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 the aunt sat there in tears, crying. She said, I got to tell you something. She said, I was on my way to the car dealer. She said, and while on the way to the car dealer, she says, a voice spoke to me and said, she said, I had been praying for 30 days that God would send somebody to the hospital to pray for my niece. She said, and for 30 days, every day, nobody came. And she said, this time I was on my way to the car dealer. A voice spoke to me in the car and said, there's a minister at the hospital to pray for your niece. She said, it came across my mind like lightning. And she said, I turned around on the freeway as fast as I could. I pulled back up. I got in the hospital. I ran up the corridor. I just said, when I got to the hospital room to see my niece, nobody was there. And this is, I thought it was just my imagination. She said, but now I know God answers prayer. I said, by the way, can you tell me something? What is your niece's name? I said, my niece's name is Kelly Johnson. I said, what room number is this? We walked out the door, looked at the room number. This is room 303. And then I walked out the door and she said, I used to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I am asking you again, do you have your armor on? Are you prepared for the battle? Are you ready to fight the devil and his angels? Are you tired of turning your weapons? You know, the papacy is gaining strength. I'm telling you like it is. And it won't be long before after a while, it won't be no such thing as I'm a this, I'm a that. It's going to be, are you Seventh-day Adventist? Uh-huh. Okay. You come with us. I'm going to tell you like it is. You can be conference. You can be organized. You can be separated. You can be in the boonies. I don't, it's not going to make any difference. Are you a Seventh-day Adventist? Yeah. That's all it's going to be. And we have reports that you are, and you need to, Either stop what you're doing or you coming with us. We are entering that time. And we have no more time for games. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wants to come. Jesus really wants to come. I was doing an evangelistic meeting. I got to close with this thought. And while I was doing this particular evangelistic meeting, I'm talking about 
having a relationship with God. I'm talking about knowing God for yourself. And God will give you indications from time to time that he knows you and that you know him. I was doing an evangelistic meeting. And this lady was standing in the meeting. She came. I didn't know why she came, but we saw her standing outside. We didn't know why she was standing outside. And that particular night, I was preaching on the mark of the beast. As I began to continue to preach on the mark of the beast, the lady was really excited. And after the meeting, she began to walk up to me and she said, You know, I thank God that I came to this meeting tonight because I've been praying for almost a year what was the mark of the beast. So then she says, Can you? I said, Well, you mind if I come to your house? She said, will you really come to my house? I said, yes. She said, will you really come to my house? I said, yes, I'll come to your house. She said, let me ask you a question then. She said, I want you to come to my house because I have something to show you. She said, you're going to be very surprised. So I said, okay. And so when I went to her house, she began to tell me the story. That that day that she came to evangelistic meeting, that she had been in our shower taking a shower. She said a voice spoke to her in the shower and said, go on Main Street. And she said, I thought I was going on Main Street to visit my sister. She said, but when I got there in the car, she said, a voice said, stop on Main Street and 12th. Get out and walk. So she said, I get out and walk because she said, I meet with God. And she said, I know this was God telling me. She said, and I walked down the street and I stood in front of this carpet store. And that was the carpet store where we were having a meeting at. And she said, something told me, go to that door and someone will open the door and let you in. You are to sit and hear the, his issue on the mark of the beast. So while I'm, she comes in, she sits down, she hears the issue on the mark of the beast. Then she says, she says, but she said, but then she says, after the meeting, and she showed me this, everything that I'm telling you, she had documented in the diary. And it was written several days before everything happened. And she said, a man is going to come to your house. You are to buy every book he has. And his name is Barry. The lady sat there. And when I said, I'm going to come to your house. She said, will you really come? And then she said, then when I walked into the car, she said, I forgot. And I meant to ask you your name. And, she, and I said, my name is Pastor Barry. She said, Let, I have something to show you. When I, she went upstairs, got her diary that she had wrote three days in advance before this meeting and she had my name in the diary. I never met the lady. I never knew the lady. And she turned around and bought the whole Conflict of Ages series I had and Daniel Revelation. And she said, God now has answered my prayer. You don't believe that God wants to use you. You don't believe God wants to encourage you to do missionary work, to work to save souls, brethren. You, gotta, you, you, you really need to have faith. Quick one is this. Have you ever worked and can't get, don't have any money? Have you ever quit your job and left everything to work for God? Have you put the principles of faith into practice where you live by every word that proceeds by the mouth of God? And I mean the gas is due, the light is due, the rent is due, and you don't have any money. What are you going to do? And you know the bills are due and the people are getting on you and family members are saying you need to get a job. But you're saying you're working for Jesus. And now you're in a situation where the gas man comes and take your meter out the house. It's below zero outside. Everything you got is gone. 
The light man comes and begins to cut off your electricity, almost like a Job experience. Now, what do you do? Do you quit the work of God? Do you say, this is not what God, I, God, I expected from you, Lord? Or do you walk by faith and not by sight? Then you get ready to go out in the field, and the weatherman happened to come on the radio. You make them, you know, Somebody turns on the radio, and it says, don't go out because we're urging all residents to stay in. It's 30 below, it's, it's five, it's 10 believes, 15 degrees below zero outside. People are freezing on their fences. Don't go out. And then you got to remember the promise that says, he deserves the wind, shall not sow. He observes the rain, shall not reap. What do you do? And now, while you're going out, the rent's due, the light's due, you got everything due, and you don't have no money, and the conference is holding back your check. Saying we can't pay you because your accounts are in the field, and we can't give you a dime. Now what are you going to do? So you go out and work. I worked that day. Worked all that day. I was so cold, I was going to the door saying, my, 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 my name is Maurice Barry. I'm for, 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 couldn't, couldn't get out. I'm talking about faith now. I'm not talking about these theories now. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about raw getting down with the devil and understanding the devil and his angels are on your track every moment. The day you make up your mind to do missionary work. The day you make up your mind to be a real soul winner, the devil's on your track 24-7 and he doesn't let up. And the, if it wasn't for the grace of God, he would try to kill you. And I'm in, that, I'm in that predicament, and now I'm standing there, knocking on doors, and it's cold, it's dark, I'm not getting a house. I go to this lady's house, the lady says, I can't let nobody in. I said, nobody? I said, nobody. I can't let nobody in. I said, nobody? I said, nobody. So said, I said, ma'am, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The woman said, because since, since Jesus said it, come on in. And she let me in the house. And she, I said, ma'am, I said, I got these beautiful volumes here. I wanted to let you, I want to show you this one called Byron for the Home. I showed her that. She said, my daughter got contagious disease. You're going to catch it. I said, what she have? She said, she got chicken pops. You ever had chicken pops? I said, no. I said, but the Bible said the curse causes shall not come. And she said, what? I said, the curse causes shall not come. I won't get what your daughter have because I'm, I'm, I'm a servant for the Lord and I'm doing the Lord's will. So I talked to her. She bought the Byron for the Home. I only had one book sold. Conference report due. Bills are due. They're not sending no money, but they still want reports. What do you do? The brethren is putting pressure on your back, huh? What do you do? And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what to do? I looked up to heaven. And I saw the sun going down. I saw it getting dark on the neighborhood. I looked at the promises in the Bible. I was sitting there in the cold and 15 below zero saying, fear not. I am with thee. And be not dismayed, for I am thy God. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. I claimed that promise and then I closed up my Bible, stuck it back in my pocket and walked on. I said, Lord, what to do? Holy Spirit said, go down to the last house and go to the le last house on the left. Skip all the others and go to the last house on the left. I walked down to the last house on the left. I'm walking in faith, not by sight. I'm saying, Lord, the time is up and I got to go home. And I only got one book sold. The Holy Spirit said, don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't doubt. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I walked and I was cold. It was a long little block. I finally got to the house. I knocked on the door. Woman said, come on in. I've been waiting on you. I said, what? She said, I've been waiting on you. She said, come on in, have a seat. Go warm your hands by the fire. And while I was warming my hands on a fireplace, the woman told me, she said, I meet God every morning at 3 o'clock. She said, and this morning I asked God for wisdom. And she said, God told me that wisdom was coming to my house late that evening in a black bag. And she said, when you knocked on my door and I saw that black bag in your hand, I said, thank you, Jesus, you, got, you brought wisdom. 
She said, but more than this, she said, how, what is it that God wants me to get from you? And I began to tell that woman about the 6,000-year history of the great controversy between Christ and Satan. Boy, I got so excited, I just got to preaching in that woman's house. And that woman said, whoa, this is good. She said, I know God sent you here. She said, look here, the check is on the table. I said, you don't know how much they are yet. She said, the Lord told me how much they are. I said, no, you, no, you, you don't understand. You don't know how much they are yet. These are very, she said, the Lord told me how much they are. The check is on the table. I said, okay. And I began to add it up anyway. She said, before you add up anything, it's $563.73. I said, what? I want to tell you, when God's doing something, sometimes it's beyond your belief. I'm talking about the power of God. And I'm standing there, and the woman says to me, she says, it's on the table, go on and get it. I'll, every book you have in the car, bring it out. I will, it's all going to be, it's all covered. And sure enough, every book I got out the car, every book I got out my car, I didn't have one book left. And then it was all covered. $563.73. Then I went to the gas company. They said my bill was $1,000. I said, no, that can't be. That's impossible. And then the woman said, let me check the mainframe. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, you said not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. I said, Lord, I am not doubting this this time. I said, with men is impossible, not what God will. God, all things are possible. And sometimes they say, if you say unto the mountain, be thou removed. And while the woman was typing on things, I said, mountain, be thou removed. The woman said, Mr. Barry, wait, wait a minute. I said, mountain, be thou removed. And the woman said, wait a minute. She said, Mr. Barry, you know something? She said, there's been a terrible mistake. I said, really? She said, yes. She said, your bill is only $300. If you pay that, we can get your gas back on. I said, thank you, Jesus. I said, yeah, I got that money right now. I said, here you go. She said, I just don't understand it. I said, I do. She said, what happened? I said, God removed my mountain. She said, what? I said, you'll, you'll understand it one day. God bless you. And I went on. Then I went to the light company. I said, you said my bill. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, let me check. I said, mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. And the Bible said, don't doubt in your heart, and you claim it by faith. Now you're looking at me like, let me look at me like this man telling impossible experiences. You need to walk with God, and you, you'll have the same testimony and maybe some better ones. Uh, Mr. Barry, I'm sorry, there's another terrible mistake. Your bill is only $50. How do we get this thing for almost $150? I said, I don't know. I said, but you pay that, we get your gas, we get your lights back home today. I said, thank you very much. Then I went down to the landlord. Landlord said, well, did your, did your father send the money? My father had been dead for several years. But she always asked me, was well, father going to pay the rent? I said, my father was going to send the money. And I said, and she said, okay, did your father send the money? I said, he sure did. I said, here's the money for the rent right here. She said, oh, thank you. She said, you, said, you, said, you, you, you must got a good father. I said, I sure do. And I said, hey, let's have a prayer. And I had prayer with her. And, be, and, and I'm talking all by faith. Not by sight. I got to close. Got to stop now. I just want to say, I can go on. I got several. I got some experience. I don't have time to even tell you about it. Somebody said, we need to write a book sometime. I want to say to you, beloved, God wants you to have faith. Stop fighting. God wants you to have experiences. Tasting of the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come. God wants you, young and old alike, to have a new experience with him. 
Not just in studying of the Bible, but also in practical trust, having experience of faith. These experiences that I'm telling you about is only to strengthen us for the time that's coming when we will be when every earthly support will be cut off. And God wants you to have those experiences now. It's not just for me. It's not just for a few people. It's for each and every one of you in here. That you might be encouraged. That you might stand. And that you might be able to glorify God in these last days. I pray that God will help you. Let me ask though. Is there somebody here today? With your heads bowed and eyes closed. We got to close. Is there somebody here today? That wants a closer walk with Jesus. And you said, Pastor, we just want you to we just want you to pray for us. Is there somebody like that day? I'll get Brother Pastor Gregory to come up and uh, Reggie right quick and we have prayer. Okay, somebody back there. There's somebody else here that wanna surrender their life to Jesus for the first time. They just want to begin to learn God's will for their life. Is there somebody like that? Okay, we got a little we got a young man in the back. Now I want you to know the Bible says despise not your little ones. Okay, and right here. First time. Okay, we have one, we have two, pe- two young people, we want, we, two people we want to pray for, especially who surrendered their life to Jesus for the first time. And not only that, but we have, that's another one right here. Okay, and then we want to um, have, we're going to have a general prayer first, and then we're going to pray for those specially. I want those who are making a decision for Jesus for the first time to meet me down front. Uh, meet, one is already down front. The other one, I need you to meet me down front here so we can have y'all all together and pray with, okay? And uh, this time... I'm going to have um, um, Pastor Gregory and Reverend Reggie to come up and pray, and Richard, and y'all can come up, and we, we're going to pray. We're going to have a general, we have a season of prayer. Let us kneel. Father, we are thankful for the way that you have spoke to our hearts tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for the experiences of our brother Barry and uh, how he has inspired us with the power of God that has moved upon souls to transform them. And we're thankful, Lord, that we can be gathered together here in this solemn time when People are making a decision for you. We pray the Holy Spirit will move upon them and anybody else here that has not yet decided to follow Jesus. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit will come upon us in power. We know that you're only waiting for your people to get ready before you can pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. So bless us now, Lord. May your Holy Spirit dwell with each one of us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Gracious Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the message that we've just heard. Lord, we feel like Jeremiah when the fire was in our bones. I pray that you help us to realize that we are living in the last days of earth's history. And that we need a closer walk with Jesus Christ than we now possess. 
I pray for each and every one of us in here, Lord. Though there be many different opinions, but I believe we're all decided that we all want to walk the streets of gold. And I pray that you would teach us to be humble. You would teach us to be repentant. And that you would help us to realize, dear Heavenly Father, that there are millions of people out there who need to be reached with your everlasting gospel and your free angels' message. And I pray that we will get up off our seats and that we will walk with our weapons in our hands and we will meet the enemy on the field of battle. So, Lord, send your Holy Spirit amongst us and help us to have the fervent determination to preach this message even at the cost of death. So bless each and every one of us. Strengthen us by the right hand of your righteousness and help us to realize that you made a great sacrifice for us so we must make a great sacrifice for others. So we ask these mercies in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. Amen. 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 Father in heaven, we thank you for the souls that have made decisions today. For Lord, your Holy Spirit has spoken to some here today that they need to reconsecrate their lives to thee, that they need to put all on the altar and allow your spirit to have his way in their lives. Lord, for many, sometimes, Lord, it's been very difficult, but you're able to give them the strength that they need. You're able to keep them from falling, and you're able to present them spotless before your throne with exceeding joy. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen those that are weak. Help those, Lord, who need to begin to develop a type of devotional life with thee. A life where they learn how to pray and how to study your word. That they might have a hope of knowing you for themselves. You knowing them and they knowing you. Lord, we pray, keep them in your care. And those, Lord, who have made the decision today for the first time. I know heaven rejoices over one soul that makes that decision. But there were three today, Lord. Bless them and help them that they might grow into the full statue of a man or woman in Christ Jesus. That they might reflect your character fully and be prepared to meet Jesus when he comes. Mm. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our loving Heavenly Father, I pray especially for England. Let there be true revival and true form of godliness rekindled with reformation, with the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that England will be shaken by the word of truth and practical walk in faith, not by sight. 
And we pray that the Spirit of Heaven and the power of three angels' message will shake all of us here in this campground to awake us to proclaim this mighty message with understanding and with experience. I pray that we might be consecrated to finish thy work. Please be with each one of us here that we might be totally submitted to thee for thy mighty work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.